Welcome to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan. And I'm Jim Reske. We're gospel addicts because we believe the gospel of Jesus isn't just good news, it's the best news ever. We're addicted to the gospel because it doesn't just start us out in the Christian life, it is the Christian life. Join us as we look at the Bible through the lens of the gospel. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome back to the Gospel Attic Podcast. My name is Greg, and I'm joined with Jim Reske, my co-host, and we have a good friend, Dr. Bob, joining us tonight. This is the Gospel Attic Podcast, and we, Jim and I talk about how we are gospel addicts, and what we mean by that is that the the good news about Jesus is not just the ABCs of the Christian life, but it's the A to Z of the Christian life. In other words, you don't come to know Jesus and then and then it's all about your your hard work and effort to grow in Christ. You actually, you know, Jesus I need Jesus just as much today as I needed him the day I first trusted him. And so good to good to have you gentlemen. In a minute I'm going to ask Dr. Bob to introduce himself. Jim, do you have any opening comments you want to make? I do. You know, one thing we should make clear for our audience because we've uh, said many times the way we do this. You know, you'll have well, some special guests on now and again, but usually our podcasts are just two Christian guys reading the word together. And sometimes we'll tell our, the audience that what we're doing is we are doing this in preparation for speaking at a Bible study. And that Bible study is led by Dr. Bob. So Dr. Just so our audience can put those, those things together, connect those dots. Dr. Bob started that Bible study about 20 years ago. And now there's like 120 guys who attend. Well, I'll let Bob, Dr. Bob, I'll let you talk about it, but I wanted to connect those dots for our audience. We always talking about this Bible study that we're prepping for and, and Dr. Bob is the one who runs it. So I thought I'd connect the dots for the audience. Well, great. Thanks, Jim. It's a pleasure to be with you guys. And yeah, our Men of the Word Bible study started back in 2001 with about six or eight guys. And we decided to challenge our men to just read through the whole Bible in a year using the Daily Walk Bible. And uh, we did that for a year. And the guys said, oh, we missed too much stuff. We need to do it again. And so year after year after year, we followed that. For 11 years, we went through the entire Bible each year, which is pretty fast-paced, nine months in the Old Testament, three months in the New Testament. And then uh, starting around 2013, we slowed down our curriculum to the same nine months in the Old Testament, but then the uh, New Testament, we stretched out to 15 months. And it's been just a, a blast, a real blessing to be able to go through the entire New Testament, you know, chapter by chapter and have seven different leaders. So you get lots of fresh insights from different angles, different walks of life. And it's just been the life, spiritual lifeblood for me over these past 20 years. It's just been a blessing to be a part of it. And one thing that encourages me, one of the other leaders of the study, we may, maybe we'll have him on as a guest too sometime, Greg, but he uh, he's another one of the seven who rotates through and speaks, but he has said that he's been coming to your study, Bob, for 20 years, and it's been like the primary discipleship tool in his life for his spiritual development has been your Men of the Word Bible study. So it's been such a great ministry. I I I, I, don't, I feel like I missed out because I'm only I'm a pretty recent convert to the Men of the Word Bible study. I'm just <laughs> well, you've been a good addition, Jim. We love having you. So great. That's true. It's true. And you know, I love this Bible study because I, as I look back on my Christian life. You know, I came to Christ when I was around 16 years old and I struggled with my devotional life for many, many years. And I would buy these, I would go into the Christian bookstore. I would buy 
the the newest devotional or the one with the coolest title or the one that had the you know that looked that looked the the coolest and I would start that devotional but I would never finish it and I just struggled and and most of the time when you're reading devotionals you're reading what somebody else says about the bible right right when I was 30 years old I just really got convicted and I went to seminary before this too in my early 20s and I and I read through the Bible then as part of my schoolwork. But when I was 30 years old, I made a commitment. You know what? I'm going to, by God's grace, I'm going to read through the Bible every year for the rest of my life. And the first two years are really difficult and, and hard. And and uh, but now it's something that I can't go without. Like, I just love it. And so when I found out about this Bible study, it was just such a great fit because there's nothing like just interacting with God's word directly. You know, instead of going to a commentary, instead of going to what the latest guy, the latest book where they have one verse and then, you know, you know, two pages about what that one verse, you know, how it impacted this one person that wrote the book. It just reading, reading God's word. And every time I read it, I feel like I'm, I'm learning new things. And so it's just, it's just wonderful. So Dr. Bob, we're, we are thrilled to have you on this because you shared something to, with both Jim and I. You, you, you said something to us that caught our attention. You said something about, do you guys know about the five secrets of life? Yeah, yeah. This is something that uh, I knew you guys were talking about, John 14 and 15. And I've had the opportunity to teach on that at our men's Bible study a number of times. And something that always uh, comes up, there are the Apostle John's five secrets. So I did want to take some time and talk with you about that today. For those who don't know me, I'm a cardiologist and uh, what's called an electrophysiologist. I put in pacemakers and defibrillators and do cardioversions and ablations and work on people's heart rhythm to try to ease their suffering and uh, help them live better electrically, as we say. So one of my mentors many years ago was an internal medicine doctor named Ron Jones, who works in Akron. And we were at a Christian Medical Association get-together, just sitting around talking about spiritual things. And Ron is the one who brought this up. He posed the question to each of us. He said, what is the secret of life? What is the secret of life? And so we stopped and thought about it. And, of course, I thought about James Taylor, who said the secret of life is enjoying the passage of time. In one of his albums, that didn't sound very uh, profound. I thought of the end of Ecclesiastes, where Solomon has tried ABC and everything under the sun and to to no avail. And he says, boy, when it's all said and done, fear God and keep his commandments, for that's the whole duty of man. So I thought that's, that's certainly getting a little bit closer. And so I was still mulling this over. And so Ron says... Well, you read a book by Warren Wiersbe that has uh, The Secret of Life, and he says, the secret of life is fruit-bearing. I thought, well, that sounded a little odd. That's not what I expected to hear, right? He says, the secret of life is fruit-bearing. But then I sat back and thought about it a little bit, and, you know, if you really do think about it, what is it in this world that lasts forever? Well, the word of God and the souls of people, right? The immortality of the soul. And beyond that, you know, all our, all our possessions and everything else gets, uh, 
you know, is not eternal, but those things are eternal, the word of God and uh, the souls of people. And so John in his epistle, uh, third epistle, verse four, he says this, he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And I thought, what a great statement. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Is he talking about physical children? No. He's talking about his spiritual children. And the greatest joy in his life is to know that the people he has discipled, the people he's led to Christ and has worked with them through their faith, that they are now walking worthy. As Paul says in Ephesians, they are walking worthy. And that is the greatest joy in his life. And so if you want a joyous, fulfilled life, it will be found in fruit bearing. The secret of life is fruit bearing. But that begs the question, well, if the secret of life is fruit bearing, what is the secret of fruit bearing? And this is where you guys in John 14 and 15, it has a lot to say about these things. In John 15, 5, Jesus says, a familiar passage, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. The secret of life is fruit bearing, but the secret of fruit bearing is abiding. Is abiding. Some versions say remain. You remain in him. But the idea is a vital daily walk with the Lord Jesus, just day by day, always cognizant of his presence, the spirit working in and through you, and you abide in him. It's it's a state of being that is just a day-to-day thing where you are in relationship with the Lord and thinking with that uh, eternal perspective as you go about your daily business. Jim, did you want to comment on that? Yeah, just to, just to, so you gone, we've gone through two. So you got the secret of living is bearing fruit. Yeah. Secret of bearing fruit is abiding. Hey, first of right. all, just, just to, the conversation you said when someone asked us at a dinner conversation or wherever you were, was that a group of Christians that were together? Was that a group? Of- yeah, no, it was a group of Christian physicians. And Ron was kind of, he's been my mentor for many years. He's headed up the Northeast Ohio Christian Medical Association for okay. a number of years. And uh, just a godly man, loves the Lord, loves the scripture. And he's really intentional with his patients about uh, meeting their spiritual needs too. And when you thought about this topic, so that is the first one, the secret of life is bearing fruit. Did you think about that in terms of the fruit of the spirit? Mentioning Galatians, like the personal attributes, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Are you thinking about bearing fruit as really the impact your life has on other people? Was it, were you drawing a distinction between those? You're saying, oh, that's all just all part of it. And I, I'm not even asking what what Warren Wearsby's book says, just your own thoughts on that. Just Yeah, I've read Wearsby's books, and I, I do a little different adaptation on the principles but I mean, I, I think it's the legacy you leave and the people that you love and the people that you lead to Christ and the people you disciple. I mean, when, when I'm, I'm six feet under, my kids will remember me as how? As someone who loved the word of God and who wanted to instill in them the values from it. So yeah, I, I think of that more as bearing fruit in other people's lives, not just the fruit of the spirit within your life. Okay. That would be more. Uh, tuned to the abiding. So can I, can I get on this uh, number three? Number three, here we go. Okay, so if the, the secret of life is fruit bearing and the secret of fruit bearing is abiding, what's the secret of abiding? Well, in John 15, verse 10, 
Jesus says, if you obey my commands, you will abide in my love. So the secret of abiding is obeying. And, you know, I know you guys have spent a fair amount of time talking about how the Christian life is not just, you know, obey this command, this command, this command. And and that's kind of a rough way to live, knowing that uh, you're not going to quite match up. But in, in 1 John 5, verse 3, it says his commands are not burdensome. If you are in a correct relationship with the Lord, obeying him is not a burdensome thing. It's something you want to do because you want to please him out of your love for him. And so the secret of life is fruit bearing. The secret of fruit bearing is abiding. The secret of abiding is obeying. If that's true, what is the secret of obeying? Well, in John fourteen fifteen, that you guys covered a few weeks ago, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. So the secret of obeying is loving. Mm. You know, we say we love the Lord, but do we really? Well, if we don't obey him, I think we're kind of betraying what we what we claim to believe, right? If we really love him, we will want to obey. It's it's out of gratitude that we want to live our lives and and obey his commands because we know he, he he, he wrote the manual for humanity. He knows how we best function. He knows how we work. Greg? Another great verse on this is, is John fourteen twenty one, which is a, a popular memory verse. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Good so, navigation. Tying the word, tying love and obedience together a lot of times when we hear the word obedience, we can, we we just think it's it's not fun or it's not easy. Like you said, I'm glad you brought up that verse about it not being a burden, because if we're really abiding in Christ, it's not a burden. So I, these are interesting because they're building. It's I it's like it's it's building on each. Yeah, well, I remember when Ron you know presented this. You know, he keeps going step after step after step. I go, wow, when, when does this end? <laughs> so the secret of life is fruit bearing. And if the secret of fruit bearing is abiding, and the secret of abiding is obeying, and the secret of obeying is loving, then what's the secret of loving the Lord? Well, if you look at 1 John 4, verse 7, that many of you know, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And the, the secret of loving God is knowing him. If you know him, you really have knowledge of him. You will love him because he's worthy of that love because of the great gift he's given to us of salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the the secret of life is fruit bearing. The secret of fruit bearing is abiding. The secret of abiding is obeying. The secret of obeying is loving. And the secret of loving is knowing. So if we look at that in reverse order, if you know God, you really know him, you will love him. If you really love him, you will obey him. If you obey him and make that the the way of life, then you will abide in his love. You will abide and remain in him, and you will bear much fruit. And that is a glorious way to live the Christian life, is it not? It is. And so you said when you first heard this, this is one of those things that, you know, there, all of us have probably sat through thousands of hours of sermons and, and teachings and 
But this is this is one of those things that when you heard it, it stuck with you. It really resonated with me because I could see each step of the way and see that it's biblically biblically based. And yeah, the first one caught me by surprise. The secret of life is fruit bearing. What? What do you mean? But indeed, when I thought about it, I thought, yeah, that is correct. And so, and then the rest just flow from that by deduction as you go through the Gospel of John and his epistles. So. I, it, yeah, it stuck with me all these years. Warren Wiersbe has a book on it. He has a, a little different angle that he takes on some of these. But yeah, I think it's, it's, I've shared this with our men's group several times. I shared it on two occasions with a, a Christian school board that I had the pleasure of being, being part of. And it's resonated with lots of people. I just think it's a great derivation of principles that you guys have touched on in John 14 and 15 in particular. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. Oh so man, thing, thanks for thanks for doing that, Jim. Do you have some comments? Yeah, one thing I like about it, and, it, and actually your approach to it is, it's not just you're not just regurgitating Warren Wiersbe's thoughts on that, and he's got a book on it. I'm sure there's a whole lot more detail there, but you're looking at the five principles in that order and in that sequence, and saying, "Hey, these really do make sense to me. They touched on in my life. This is what I think they mean," and building on that. So the progression is there, the themes are there, but then how they they're real in your own life. Bob is really, that's uh, really impressive. Well, and as a, as a physician, I do a lot of diagnosis, right? Mm-hmm. Diagnosing people with heart rhythm problems, but this is useful for diagnosis in our own lives too. Mm-hmm. If I'm having uh, trouble obeying, that means I probably got a loving problem. I don't love the Lord the way I should. Maybe I'm like the Ephesian church in, in uh, Revelation that has drifted from their first love. Mm-hmm. And so it, it really can, can point you back in the right direction diagnostically when you see these things. Well, to play on that, then if you say, I'm not bearing fruit in my life, I don't see any fruit. Well, you maybe not, you, you, what you think, what you need to think about it, what you need to concentrate on is abiding in him. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, uh, we talked about last time, Greg, you know, you abide me apart from me. You can do nothing. Right. That'll be plugged into the vine. If you're not. Yeah. Yeah. We also talked about how we're just twigs. <laughs> yep. I mean, essentially we're just twigs. Like, is, you know, and if you read Romans, we're grafted in twigs for, yes. for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're lower than regular twigs. We're grafted in twigs. That's so true. You know, two verses I really like in John 15 are verses 8 and verses um, 16, where he says, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. That's verse 8. So there's that fruit bearing. And then he goes on in verse 16, and reminds them, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. I like that. I like that because that, that right there ties right into it. Amen. So, question for both of you. I mean, I think that that's one of the reasons that when people read these passages in John 5, John 14, 15, 16, 17, they're so rich. They're so beautiful. And they, they just, they're so moving in a way. And when you, when Jesus says, abide in me, I think that just warms my heart. I just want to abide in him and be connected to him. And you expounded on that a little bit, Dr. Bob, but for both of you, question for both of you, tell, let's talk about that a little bit more. I want to hear your thoughts on what does it really mean to abide in? How do you, how do you abide in him? What does it mean to abide in him? And I could think of some answers and techniques to abide in him. I want to do this, 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 that, but, I don't want to just turn into a set of techniques and tasks I do. I want to really connect with him and abide with him. 
and in your own lives, think about how you've done that, live that out. Just I want to, I would just want to hear your thoughts on what it means to abide in Him. And when, and by the way, Doctor Bob, when I do this for the study, I might throw that question out to the whole audience. You tell me what you guys. Think. Yeah, yeah. Are you on for John fifteen, sixteen, Jim? Yeah, I am. I am. So we're talking about this, but just. And by the way, I might do that in the first five minutes, and that's all the crowd does for the next hour is talk. <laughs> I got something to share. I want to talk about abiding, and maybe that's a good way to do the study. But just between us three, what do you guys think? What does it mean for you personally, abiding in Christ? Well, I think if you look at the analogy, right, that you you are just a twig like you guys were talking about, and you know the source of your nutrition, the source of your hydration, everything is the vine itself, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, and you have to realize, man, every, we were dependent on him for everything. Every breath we take, every heartbeat that we have. I, I think of Psalm 3, verse 5. It says, I lie down, I wake again. Why? Because the Lord sustains me. And you just have this realization that everything in our lives, every blessing that we have, it just comes from his hand. And when you, when you acknowledge that and realize that you're not the one in charge, but you're you're just uh, grateful for what he has accomplished and blessed you with, then it it kind of frees you up to live life in a different way. And uh, so I, I I mean obviously we talked about obeying is is the key to abiding, but it, it has to just become a series of habitual decisions that you're going to say, hey, I'm going to do what the Lord wants in this situation, and it becomes a habit. And as you do that. You see that your life is blessed and the Lord brings in your life people that need to talk about spiritual things and people for me that you know, need to be ministered to in the world of medicine. So I, I think it's, it's more of a state of mind and a state of being where you're plugged into the vine and you realize that all your sustenance comes from the Lord and not from your own strength. Greg, what do you think? Well, I would just add to that. I think that this is where preaching the gospel to yourself as a believer is so valuable to never, to never move beyond the gospel, to never move beyond, to keep um, like just being amazed by what God, what God has done, how much he loves us. And uh, so just to continue focusing on, on the gospel, I, I, I love, I had the privilege of getting to know Jerry Bridges, <clears throat> who is now with the Lord, but who wrote a lot of books and, and articles about this idea of preaching the gospel to yourself as a believer, not for your salvation, but for your sanctification. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just think that that, is, you know, daily, if we could make it a daily thing to just meditate on the cross and, and what Christ has done for us. And then, then it makes you want to obey him out of gratitude. And, uh, you know, it, it makes you want to read the Bible. So I've had times in my life, and Jim and I have talked about this before, where it's it's so easy to kind of fall into legalism and just where you just you're doing you're doing a lot of good stuff, but your your motive motives, you know, you're doing them because you feel like you have to, like I have to I have to read my Bible, I have to do these things. But I think when you when you preach the gospel to yourself, your motives all of a sudden that changes and and you realize, no, I get to do those things. I, I, I get to read the Bible. I get to go to church. I get to memorize scripture. And, uh, you know, 
a big part of my ministry is teaching people the spiritual disciplines. Well, it's so important to understand, to, to practice the spiritual disciplines out of gratitude because of the gospel, not out of just like hard work and, you know, out of the flesh, you know? So I love what you what you shared, Dr. Bob. I think it's great, but I just, I just think this is what part of being a gospel addict means is that, I need to keep my keep thinking about the cross every day. And let me add, let me add one thing, if that's okay, Greg. Yeah, is, sure. Uh, I, I think I shared this with our men's group about there are different acronyms that people use for our prayer life. You know, the ACTS of prayer, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Right. That's the most common, probably. But just the word "pray" itself, if we break that down into uh, praise of the Lord repentance of our sins and other shortcomings, A for ask things, and then the Y for yielding. Each day, Lord, I yield my will to you, not my will, but thine be done, as Jesus said in the garden, right? And if we if we approach each day with a, a, a personal sense of I'm yielding, you know, my agenda is not as important as God's agenda. Mm. He brings into my life a late consult, you know, of somebody that needs medical help. You know, that's uh, God put that on the agenda. You know, my agenda was to get home and have dinner with my wife, but God brought that along. So, so I want to yield each day to what He has for me. And if you think of life that way, you know, the opportunities come along like, oh, this is going to be cool. The Lord brought this guy into my life. How can I minister to him? How can I share with him? And so it's it's just the yielding of your ambition, your will, what you want to get done on any given day. And being a doctor, I've got a, a whole checklist of things I've got to do, EKGs to read and patient notes to write and blah, blah, blah. You know, it just goes on and on and on. But if I can step away from that agenda and just say, I want to yield to your agenda today, Lord. What are you going to bring my way? And I want to be faithful in ministering to those you bring to me. That's really good. And I want to, I want to get you, Jim, you to speak in on this. Uh, the idea, the, the repenting part. Again, that's where I think that as we meditate on the gospel, I used to think as a young Christian that as I grow in Christ, I'm going to repent less and less. <laughs> I, I used to. You didn't know how bad a sinner you were. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's the thing. I, I think it's going to sin less and less. But what you realize is as you grow, if you're really, really growing and you're, you're getting closer to Christ, you're actually going to repent more and more. And so that repentance aspect is so important. And it's again, it's it, so Jim, I don't know if you want to add to that, but that whole idea of like how the repentance just, you know, is, is so important. We talk about this all the time. Uh, yeah, exactly. By your, your growth in the Christian life is growing in your awareness, growing in your awareness of His holiness and growing in your awareness of your own sin. And you're right, Bob. When you first come to Christ, you think, I'm not that bad of a sinner. I think I told you guys a story. It's a great woman we knew when we lived in New York City, wonderful new Christian. And she said this great comment. She said, yeah, before I became a Christian, I thought I had sinned maybe four times in my life. <laughs> I told a lie when I was a kid or something else like that. You know, he just... At the, and she repented of that. She became a Christian. Praise the Lord. It's beautiful. But then as you grow in Christ, you realize, oh, wow, there's all kinds of stones that weren't unturned and things. 
And that notion that repentance isn't for his benefit. He already knows all that about me. He loved me anyway. He knew about that about me and loved me anyway, right? Romans 5 eight. God demonstrates his own love toward us in this, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He knew that. It's it's for my benefit, repentance. It gets me in touch with how sinful I am, how lost I am. So I was just thinking of one thing. So, so Greg, I think I, I'm glad you brought it up because I, I thought I thought the same thing. I knew you looking at you. I knew we were thinking the same thing. The idea that the R in praise for repentance that's driving you down in that illustration, the lower line, and increasing your gratitude for what He has done for you, and making you say, "How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It's not a mild salvation. It's not a humdrum salvation. It's a great salvation for sinners like us." And if you look at uh, Romans seven, you know Paul, one of the most spirit-filled Christians in the history of the world, he looks at his own flesh and and just cries out, ah, who will deliver me? You know, I'm just so full of sin. I I, I need to be delivered. You know, thank God for the gospel. And so, yeah, he was a very spiritually mature man and was very aware of his own shortcomings and sinfulness. Yeah, that was his spiritual maturity, growth, growth in his awareness of his, his sinfulness and of God's grace and God's holiness and how Jesus filled the gap. So not just being down on yourself and feeling bad about your sin, but feeling like you're simultaneously a sinner and justified at the same time. Simul justus et peccator, as Martin Luther said. That's right. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. Feel free to contact us via email at gospeladdictpodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our next episode, and remember, on your worst days, you're never beyond the reach of God's grace, and on your best days, you're never beyond the need of God's grace. See you next time.